We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to Wizarding World Lorecast, where we're going to take a deep dive into the world and lore of the Harry Potter universe, such as the creatures, the people, and yes, even the magic. Welcome back, witches and wizards, to another episode of the Wizarding World Lorecast. I am one of your hosts, Ben of Tamaria, uh, alongside my two co-hosts, Nina Kitty. How you doing? Hello. And Courier, good. and Courier 7. Uh-huh. So, you know, we had to skip last week due to me having my day job being, you know, not fun part of things. And I am moving away to where I'm going to be having a different job here in the next couple of weeks. So things could change. Hopefully they probably really won't for this show since we record so late. But, uh, yeah, so this week, so the last time we were talking together, we were on Deathly Hollows. So we have, we went over our first, you know, magical artifacts that we have in the Wizarding World. This week, we are going to go go over another magical artifact slash substance called the Philosopher's Stone. In which, you know, everybody should know the name of the Philosopher's Stone because, you know, it's the name of the first book translated to Sorcerer's Stone here in the United States due to, uh, I think it's just because Philosopher was a well-known, like, thing for kids. Sorcerer yeah, was was more well-known because magic-y. And yet, you know, Disney with, you know, the source uh, sorcerer mickey so there's that too <laughs> mm. um, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah right and then um yeah and obviously it's in the first film which is sorcerer stone or philosopher stone depending on where you're at and the literally the entire film is uh, talking about trying to get the stone so the Philosopher's Stone was a legendary alchemical substance with magical properties. Uh, the ruby red stone could be used to create the elixir of life, which was made uh, the drinker immortal, as well as transform any metal into pure gold. The only known stone to ever existed was created by the famed alchemist Nicholas Philomel. And if anybody has not watched Crimes Against Grindelwald, that is the first time we see Nicholas Fumel on screen. And even at that point, he is, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years old. He's looking a little rough, too, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. Like, every time... Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot remember the guy's name. Uh, like, would shake his hand or, like, gave him a hug. You would hear bones crack. Because he's that frail. 
Yeah, it's just not worth it at that point. No, right? Like, I wouldn't want to be. <laughs> like, everything you do and you, like, have to be careful because you're bre- going to break a bone or something like that on a regular basis. Yeah, that was, uh... Like, it's cool being living, like, forever, but, like, I wouldn't want to live forever if I'm in constant agony and pain. Yeah, because would you even consider it living forever if you're just tied down, like, if you can't even move because you just have to suffer like to me that's not living that's no. just existing <laughs> yep but maybe it's different if you're an alchemist who knows maybe uh so during the 1991 to 1992 school uh two school year at hogwarts school of witchcraft and wizardry lord voldemort made the attempts to steal the stone for his own purposes the final and almost successful attempt resulted in a skirmish for possession of the stone. However, Voldemort was foiled by 11-year-old Harry Potter, and his return to power was delayed. Which we obviously see in sc- on screen and in the book, to where, you know, it's okay, so, side tangent. I just thought of this. When, in the film, Quirrell doesn't want to touch Harry because you know the whole magic of ancient ma- uh the the sacrifices ma- uh Harry's mom gave to Harry gave him like a protective shield against Voldemort and if he like Voldemort tried to touch him it would burn him kind of a thing mm-hmm. which we see because Harry touches Quirrell's face and he like starts to go- turn into ash does anybody like understand the plot hole how uh Quirrell was able to put Harry in like a chokehold. It's the magic of filmmaking. <laughs> <laughs> like I have just thought, I was like, wait a minute, Quirrell literally was choking Harry to death and didn't suffer anything until Harry touched his face. Okay, so the only other things I don't know was Quirrell's sleeve on Harry because if it wasn't a skin to skin contact, it'd be a little different. I'm pretty was that would be skin. the only one. Unless... I thought he wore long sleeve rope things because he was very covered because of Voldemort being in the back of his head. No, like it was skin to skin because that's how he was choking him was like with his with his hand. But unless it's specifically Harry has to initiate contact. That's the only thing I could think of. That's fair because he did not oh. want Harry. He didn't want to beginning. Correct. He didn't want to shake his hand, but he's he able to it. like mm-hmm. choke him. But then Harry touches his face with his hand, and he starts, you know, melting. So maybe, maybe, maybe it's intention. that. Yeah, that's. I just thought of that. I was like, that's. Wait a minute. That's weird. <laughs> so, with the history of the Philosopher's Stone. Creating a Philosopher's Stone was one of the best-known goals of uh, alchemy, and alchemists have sought to produce the stone for centuries. Critics of the legend of the Deathly Hallows have suggested that that Beetle the Bard, 15th century, uh, was inspired to create the uh, life-restoring resurrection stone from the life-extending Philosopher's Stone. In reality, the Resurrection Stone was, in fact, a genuine artifact with similar powers to its legendary description, which we did go over the last, uh, during our last episode with the Deathly Hollows. The Resurrection Stone was exactly how it was described in the tale, to where it does raise the dead, to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. 
And then, despite countless attempts over the ages, the only stone known to exist was created by famed French alchemist Nicolas Femel. Sometime in the 14th century or later, Femel used the elixir of life to derive uh, from the stone to extend his and his wife's uh, Pertinel's uh, lifespan for over six centuries. Six hundred years they've been alive. I, I like, swear, I would just get bored after three. Like, what else is there to do? Right. Like, I mean, everything. <laughs> so he created yeah. the stone in 14th century or later. So that's 1300, probably close to. F- so it'll be a little 1300 or later. So between, I would imagine, 1300 to up to 1390, maybe up to 1400, he created the stone. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, 600 years, you know, from 1300 would be 1900. And he's right, alive and during the time Harry went went to his first year at Hogwarts. So he would have been at least took the potion, because you had to take the potion in uh, moderation every so often to keep yourself mortal. But it would be, he would have had it at least made by 1390. Mm-hmm. So, while living in Paris in 1927, Femel kept the Philosopher's Stone in the back of his shelf next to the Phoenix Book in a glass dome where he could have been seen to met Jacob Kowalski, which is the muggle from the Fantastic Beast series, who is the one that gave him a handshake and hug that would like break his bones. And to be honest, I really enjoyed here. Jacob oh. as a character. I did too. He was really good. I very much enjoyed him. <laughs> I did too. It shows that um, even before like Harry has ever went to school, and this is during World War One, it shows that there's a lot of wizards who are open to, you know, interacting and having relations with Muggles. Yeah. Yeah, that it is possible to do. And then, uh, during Gilroy Lockhart's student days at Hogwarts, he would have ranted to anyone who would bother to listen about planning to achieve many impressive feats, one which he was uh, is to create a Philosopher's Stone before graduation. Of course, he never did that. Of course. I can't stand Gilroy, <laughs> like, with a burning passion. I cannot stand him. Yeah. I'm not sure. He's such an upstanding gentleman. I can't imagine. And he's such a heartthrob. <laughs> we'll go with that. Sure. <laughs> um, if you read the book, so if you read um, Chamber of Secrets and then even Order of the Phoenix, because those are the two books that he is in, mm-hmm. Order of the Phoenix shows a lot more darker stuff with Gilroy. It's like, yeah. he's like, it's bad. Yeah, he's not a very upstanding citizen. I take back everything I said. <laughs> <laughs> and if no one noticed, that was sarcasm. Of everything we talked about. <laughs> completely. If you think a good Rory Lockhart's a good person, then you might need to rewatch or reread Chamber of Secrets. Because uh, <laughs> clearly... There's something uh, not so right there. And maybe um, reevaluate your morals. 
<laughs> just a little. Um, so, and then at some point, uh, at some time before August 1st, 1991, the stone was stored in Vault 713, a high security vault at Grimgrad's Wizarding Bank, which we all know, which was the vault that Voldemort broke into. Yes. And then, um, so now we get to protecting the stone. So this is all the, everything that happens in sorcerers, in the Sorcerer's Stone slash Philosopher's Stone. So in 1991, the Philosopher's Stone became the target of the Dark Wizard, Lord Voldemort, who intended to use the Elixir of Life to create a new body for his mangled soul after being disassembled during his failed attack on Godric's Hollow in 1981. It is unknown how Voldemort learned of the stone, which is true. We don't know. Unless he knew about it from, like, people that, like, connections he's made over the years. I mean, we find out through Half-Blood Prince in that book that he has made a lot of connections in the wizarding world. uh, Especially, like, working at Borges and Bergs, learning of the founders and learning more about their past and and tried to become a teacher at Hogwarts. Yeah, so. it wouldn't really be that weird for him to know about it since he even knew about the Horcruxes, which were extremely hush-hush. Were extremely hush-hush. Like, it's mentioned in one book in all of the books of the library at Hogwarts. It's only named. That's horcruxes are the most dangerous thing ever, like ever any darkest thing in the Western world, and that's literally all it says about horcruxes. And of course, you know Slughorn being just being the person Slughorn is diverged all info to Tom Riddle. So, just takes a little bit of flattery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Voldemort used a human host, uh, Cornarius Quill, to attempt to steal the stone from Gringotts. However, possibly suspected a threat, Albus Dumbledore had Rubius Hagrid retrieve the stone that was the very morning of the attempted robbery. After that, the stone was placed in a special chamber and guarded by seven enchantments and creatures provided by the professors at Hogwarts. Professor Sprout's Web of Devil Snare, Winged Keys, charmed by... Uh, Flidius Flitwick, a life-size board of wizard chests transfigured and animated by Professor McGonagall, Professor Squirrel's Mountain Troll, Professor Snape's Potion Riddle, and the Mirror of Erised, a chanted to hold the stone by Albus Dumbledore. And Rubius Hagrid's massive three-headed dog, Fluffy, guarded the trap door through which the chamber was accessed. So, Talking about these, you know, traps and guardians, guard, like, special uh, enchantments. We only get three of those. Well, technically four of those in the film. I mean, to be be honest, the only thing we didn't actually see would be Professor Snape's potion riddles. Like, everything else was kind of... Oh, that is true. Yeah, okay. Thrown through throughout the movie. Okay, yeah, you're right. It's Snape's potion riddle because the mountain troll was obviously Quirrell brought that up from that chamber to, uh, you know, be a distract distraction to go down to the chamber. 
during the Halloween. In feast. all fairness, it's probably my favorite scene of the movie is him running into the Great Hall yelling, Troll! 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 Troll in the dungeon! I thought you all don't know. Claps. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed that scene. Yeah, that was funny. But, okay, yeah, so the only one we don't see is um, Snape's potion riddle. So we see all the others, um, which I can't remember what his riddle was on the top of my head. Um, here, give me one sec. Okay, the potion riddle was created by Severus Snape to prevent anyone getting into the Philosopher's Stone. Featuring the sixth obstacle in the underground chamber, seven potions were aligned in front of the reader, who would be trapped between black flames, blocking the path ahead with purple flames, blocking the way back. The clue was solving the uh, physical riddle was written on a roll of paper. The reader would solve the riddle, figure out the correct potions needed to safely pass. And obviously Hermione was the one that solved it because Hermione. Yeah. Yeah. If you need anything as a quiz or trial or any riddle or anything, just have Hermione do it. She'll probably know right off the bat. Yeah, they got so lucky with her. <laughs> oh, God, yes. <laughs> and then order to keep them safe from Fluffy and their other obstacles, Dumbledore forbid access to the third floor cor- cor- corridor to all students. Well, obviously that role didn't really apply much to uh, three specific students. No. <laughs> and then Harry Potter and his best friends Ron Weasley and Hermione Granger suspected that the stone would be stolen. They mistakenly believed that the thief was Hogwarts Perusian's master, Severus Snape, due to the out-of-context out of conversations that they overheard in Snape's general nature. Harry felt compelled to protect the stone that uh, he and his friends, displaying intellectual power and heroism for exceeding their years, fought past the obstacles until finally Harry was f- uh, forced to face Cornelius Quirrell and Lord Voldemort himself. In the final showdown, Quirrell had lost his life and Lord Voldemort lost his meager uh, to hold on a physical world once again. And then after securing the stone, Albus Dumbledore and Femel discussed that in the future, uh, discussed its future and agreed that it would be best to destroy it. Femel ensured he and his wife had enough remaining elixir to set their affairs in order before they would ultimately die, a fate which they were quite content. I mean, after, you know, 600 years, I would hope so. Yeah, I don't know what else you have to achieve. You've already made something that literally no one else can produce. That's that's good enough. <laughs> right? You already made one like outstanding accomplishment and achievement that no one else has ever done in forever. And you didn't even need the extra 600 years to do it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Honestly, that's just more of, "Hey, I'm the first human to live over 600." True. And then upon learning this, Harry believed that this was the terrible price to pay, but Dumbledore assured that the young wizard and their deaths would be like going to bed after a very, very long day after living for over 600 years. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, makes sense. I mean, personally, I don't know if I would be able to, like, myself like feel like I should be have to live forever. 
Like, there's really, like, cool, I can live up to 100 or, like, more past than 100, but, like, what is there to accomplish at that time? Yeah, I don't want to pay any more taxes, so I'm good. That's fair. (laughs) But, um, so, yeah, at this point, I think it would be a good time to take our mid-break. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to the mid-break of the show, where we talk about everything to do with the podcast that has nothing to do with the lore of the Wizarding World. Uh, I do want to thank everybody who listens to the show and supports us. Uh, If you want to support us, there's a couple options you can do. You can give us uh, ratings and reviews on Spotify and Apple. If you leave a five-star review on Apple with some words, we'll read it out loud next time on the show. And then on Spotify, you can actually, so you can rate the show as a whole, and they can actually comment on what you like about each episode. So that's something new that Spotify just implemented uh, about like a couple, like a week or two ago. So it's still vaguely new, still trying to like look into it too much. So we shall see. And other than that, we also do have a patron. Uh, Patreon at patreon.com slash to where you can get ad free episodes or even join us uh, once a month on the show so if you want to join us it's at the $20 tier you can join us at the end of every month to where we can talk about anything with the Wizarding World or Harry Potter we can talk about the Hogwarts Legacy game we can talk about th- fan theories we can talk about anything that anybody wants we can talk about you know Universal and the Wizarding World if you want to because I really want to go back down there. <laughs> so. Yeah, come chat with us. <laughs> and then you can also find us on uh, the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net to where we're all in there um, by all of our names, Benetamera, Nina Kitty, Courier7. We're all in there with the Wizard Ward channel on the server, as well as my other show, Holocron Histories, where I host that with Teacup. Um, from the Assassin's Creed, Dragon Age, Lorecast, and the Heritance page by page. And you can find a bunch of other podcasts on the network, such as, you know, Mass Effect, um, The Witcher, Lord of the Rings, you know, anything that you can probably think of, we probably have something for. So, there's a lot of shows on the network, and it's fantastic. Yeah, they do cover a wide variety. Oh, yeah. That we do. And then, um, I think that's all I got for this mid-break. Is there anything else you guys need to add? Nope. Just come chat to us in Discord. Tell us about how you're enjoying the game or anything else that you might want to talk about with it. That's right. Yeah. Oh, and also, we do live stream these episodes every Wednesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard um, on my Twitch channel 
uh, channel at Ben of Tamaria. And if you want to find updates when we go live or if we are, like, say, skipping a week like we did last week, you can find us on Twitter at WWLoreCast. Um, yeah. So, fun stuff. Um, but that is all we got for this mid-break. So let's get right back into it. All right, now that we're back, we so we now have the aftermath of what happens to the Philosopher's Stone. So, after his failure, Voldemort correctly deduced that the Dumbledore would destroy the stone to prevent it from falling into the wrong hands again. Voldemort had given up on the stone and wanted another method to re- regenerate his body. He only wanted the stone to create a body for himself and nothing more, as being dependent on the elixir and stone for his immortality was an unaccept- unacceptable to him. Which, I mean, he already created seven horcruxes to make himself immortal. He doesn't need the stone. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit of an overkill at that point. Right. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> So, and then also, when Dumbledore's army met for the first time in the Hoghead End in 1995, Neville Longbottom incorrectly referred it as the Philosopher's Stone when discussing Harry's past achievements. Or, sorry, the Philosophological Stone. That's what he said. Instead of, you know, the Philosopher's Stone. (laughs) It's, you know, it's Neville. Like, it's Neville. He's going to mess things up here and there. Yeah. yeah, I think the only thing he's good at pronouncing is all the Latin of all the different plants. Oh my god, yes. Like, anything to do with plants, he nerds about and geeks over <laughs> on a regular basis. It's hysterical. And, you know, I mean, eventually Neville does become the head of house for Hogwarts when he grad- uh, when they all graduate from Hogwarts and becomes the new Horgopology teacher after Professor Sprout retires. And everybody refers to him as one of the heroes of the Battle of Hogwarts. And it's freaking hysterical. As they should. It's a right he right? deserves. It's a right he deserves. Right. And like, you know, he he's friends, best friends with the mate the main trio of the entire book series. Like he he he's best he's one of friends with like, you know, Harry Potter himself. Of course, everybody's going to like nerd over. It's like, oh my god, Professor Longbottom, tell us some wild story about you and Harry back in the day, (laughs) right? (laughs) Back in my day, I helped him uh, get gillyweed for the Triwizard Tournament. Back in my day, I stood in front of him and said, "No, I won't let you go," and (laughs) petrified. So, um, now we have the Calamity. So, during the Calamity, which affected the Wizarding World starting in the late 2010s, the Philosopher's Stone manifested as a foundable, guarded by a wizard's chest piece, uh, confoundable. Members of the Saturated Secrecy Task Force had destroyed the chest piece with the exploding charm, which released the stone and allowed it to return to its original time. Which the Calamity... I want to say was 
So the Calamity was basically a time-warping spell that happened. Quote-unquote, this was their uh, reason and canological reasoning of having the Harry Potter AR mobile game that they made. Oh. Yeah. I was going to say, this just sounds wild with time uh yeah. time shenanigans uh, going on because the if you if and you can't like the the servers are offline you can't even play the game anymore um no it's kind of like pokemon go but it, they had a harry potter version and i it was i don't think it was niantic that did the game it might have been niantic um it didn't last for very long now no that you it only, i do remember it was yeah. only active the game was only live for i think like two years maybe maybe three I can't remember on the top of my head. It was at least a few years. And, it I mean, it didn't do well. I mean, Pokemon, it was trying to compete with Pokemon Go. I'm sorry. You can't compete with Pokemon Go. No, it's still <sighs> going strong. <laughs> very strong. Yeah. And mainly because it's Pokemon and you can transfer all your Pokemon to the main games on the Switch. So, there's that. But I digress. The um, <laughs> This isn't the Pokemon lore cast. There's not a much lore to do a lore cast for that, just to give anybody a heads up. Um, but this is the Calamity was the event that is based in that game to where, because you become an or part of the uh, Statue of Secrecy Task Force to solve all of these cases to put them back into their rightful time. Because you would, like, find, you know... Neville being hung by pixies, Cornish pixies. And it's like, um, that was back in the 90s. Why is he here in, like, you know, 2010s, 2020s? Like, what the heck? Hmm. Yeah, so it is. The game was weird. That's all I will say. It was a really weird AR game. But, all right, that's fair. It must yeah. be why it didn't really last either. Yeah, it's. It, it couldn't keep. It couldn't keep my like. I played it for a bit, but like it couldn't keep me playing the game like, you know, Pokemon Go did. Mm. Couldn't keep you engaged. No, I see. Nope, not at all. I love this world. I love the wizard and stuff, but like that game was just bad. <laughs> Hogwarts Mystery keeps me more engaged than the the mobile game did. The uh, AR game. This is something. Right. Uh, so the nature... Uh, so the stone could turn any metal into pure gold and produce the elixir of life, which granted immortality, which we obviously covered multiple times. Um, the stone was variously described as red and white in many attacks in which it appeared. These colors were important in most accounts of the alchemy and were often interpreted, interpreted of having symbolic meaning. Blah, 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 blah. Words. <laughs> and then according to a page in Advanced Potion Making, the Philosopher's Stone was believed to have to magically amplify the user's knowledge of alchemy so that much of anything was attainable. I do like how it has the symbolic meeting with the color red and white, only because I've been on another vampire kick and... I just have I just love learning about vampires and the fact that you have the red blood which gives them life is which life sustaining stuff and mm -hmm. even in the liquid state of the philosopher's stone looks 
just like blood, maybe not as dark, but then they use that mm. to sustain life in a sense. So I really enjoy how it all always connects back to each other in some way. Right. So like the white, red and white, red meaning, you know, blood, which, you know, keeps us alive and a white probably meaning pure, I would imagine. Mm. That's what I would, that would, that's what I would assume the white would be symbolic of is like the pure nature of the stone. Um, and also it can turn metals into gold. Yeah, you just can't beat that either. No. I don't know. I think that's better. You can better. <laughs> become rich off of the stone because it can turn any metal into gold, which you can just sell the gold. And then it also makes the elixir of life to keep you living forever. So you got a two whammy right there with no like it's negatives. It's a two and one. With no negatives except for, you know, you might live forever, but it doesn't mean your body will keep up with you. Just gonna snap, crackle, and pop your way to eternity. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, pretty much. So now we have behind the scenes. Uh, So the stone is known in the United States, books, and films as the Sorcerer's Stone, with the exception of the Tales of Beetle and Bard, where it was referred to the Philosopher's Stone. This was because American children were believed to not be as familiar with the real-world mythology surrounding the Philosopher's Stone and to enhance the connection of the first book with magic. Which, in honest, all in honesty, that's, that's like, right, completely correct. Ask any, like, ask any American kid growing up, do you know what a Philosopher's Stone is? They're going to tell you no. Nope. Do you know what a sorcerer is? No. Oh, yeah, that's a wizard. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> how that's... Yeah. Or we weren't educated a whole lot as kids. Our fairy tales were like, you know, nothing s- s- with mythology. <laughs> Which is a tr- truly tragic. I think mythology is and- it's so tragic that we it don't. It depends on the mythology, though, because some of it can okay, get that's really fair. dark. All right. It can get really, quote-unquote, sexual <laughs> real quick. Yes, but even, <laughs> like, kids' fairy tales, almost all of them come from a dark place. Like, oh, they all come the from Rosie, Brothers Grimm. Like they, yes, yeah. and so, to be fair, just because somebody got a hold of it and made it, quote-unquote, kid-friendly, or it, it was disney from a dark place. Or disney five. Or it was disney five. <laughs> Essentially, yep. they were just used to try to keep kids to behave because, God, are they rambunctious. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, historically for alchemists, the Philosopher's Stone was a symbol of achieving perfection, a theme that is carried throughout the Harry Potter series as Harry goes through a refiner's fire or crucible to become the man that he is at the end of the series. Which, yeah, that's... Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, he does go through a full-on crucible. I mean, the very start of his life, he lost his parents. He goes through a grim, dark childhood with his aunt and uncle. He is constantly reminded of his father going through school and how great he was. And then, you know, Snape telling him he's the complete opposite of everybody what tells him. Which, in reality, his dad was a complete jerk. Mm-hmm. He should have just oh. listened to Snape. He should have just been uh, mentored yeah. by Snape. And funny enough, and like I know people give Snape a lot of hard time in secret, and we we get this 
in the film of Deathly Hollows, but we get this a little bit more in the book. Snape secretly was looking out for Harry because he is the child, or because Harry is the child of Snape's one true love that he only loved. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And then when you look back at it, you really see it all. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I love the um, hindsight is twenty twenty point when they go through all of that. And, you know, the questions that Snape uh, asks Harry during his first potion lesson, like Wolfsbane and like Bezor and all that stuff, mm-hmm. It all tra- all those translate to, I forget where I saw this. I saw this somewhere and I can't remember. It translates to... Um, uh, I lost a lily or something like that to with like actual for uh, um, florminology or whatever they call it the mm-hmm. meaning of plants and stuff like that and yeah it, it's it it was all symbolizing that he lost a lily the love is of life is all those questions were like hinting at that's like that is so sad <laughs> what he's so poetic why is he so poetic <laughs> right it's like oh my god that's so sad why did you have to be a complete d a complete jerk to harry the entire time it's because he didn't want to show weakness and like show that he actually cared for harry or you know his mother yeah. harry's mom but yeah it probably also had to do with him kind of working both sides of the that's true too he was, a, he was a double double slash triple agent. Mm-hmm. So, five years after the stone's destruction, Harry suggested that if Voldemort was obsessed with immortality, he could create or steal a philosopher's stone, implying that one was created by Fennel was not unique, nor was, nor is the method. Or believing Voldemort is magically intelligent enough to duplicate the method. Though Fennel's stone is the only known to be have been created and the method could theoretically be duplicated. However, given the alchemics throughout history have attempted to create the stone, but only one was known to be successful indicates the process is uh, nearly impossibly difficult and and impractical for the means of Voldemort's resurrection. So, yeah, I mean, it's probably the percentage, like everybody can use the same method, but the percentage of actually it succeeding is probably like maybe not even one percent. Yeah. It's like zero point eight 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 nine percent successful rate or something stupid like that. <laughs> I hate to do this, but I have to bring up the connection of have you ever seen Full Metal Al- Alchemist Brotherhood? Yes. Okay, so if you consider that where some of the stones were successful and had different powers where other ones weren't because of what was needed to create them i won't give any spoilers for anybody but if you're into anime and you like something a really good story go watch full metal brotherhood watch brotherhood do not watch the original watch brotherhood agreed brotherhood is a better story uh, it's more towards the manga oh it's so good but i digress but yeah if you consider that it's possible to make it, but if the applications and the potency of each stone isn't as good, it would make sense why maybe Femel just figured out what the right amount of whatever it is needed to create it was. Correct. Yep. And everyone else couldn't. Yep, that is true. 
And then in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, Neville Longbottom mistakenly calls it the Philosophical Stone or the Sorceress Stone, Stone in the U.S. edition when discussing Harry's past achievements. It's really hard to read that when you know exactly what he's trying to say. Okay. It's like trying to pronounce a misspelled word, and you're like, I right. just don't get it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what we have on the Philosopher's Stone. So, it's, it's, it's another, you know, important thing in the wizarding world even though there was only ever one and we only see glimpses of it we only see glimpses of it in two films in one book since you know the two films being crimes against grindelwald which is the fantastic beast film and then obviously sorcerer stone slash philosopher stone and the book sorcerer stone slash philosopher stone you know, the Fantastic Beasts films were never published as books because the entire things were so new and J.K. Rowling just never made books for them. They published them, but it's just the script of the film. <laughs> and it's good, yeah. Yeah, which is the dumbest thing ever. If that's the case, go watch the film. I'm going to have more entertaining watching the film than reading the script. <laughs> that's just me. I don't know about anybody else. But you guys have anything else to add? No, I don't think so. I think oh. we pretty much covered all the stuff that at least I know about the Philosopher's Stone. But oh. hey, if we did miss something, jump into our Discord and let us know. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Yes. If you if you think we missed something on the Philosopher's Stone, go to the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. Hop into the uh, channel for Wizard World Lorecast and let us know. So, but yeah, that, that's what we got for this week. So, uh, we will see everyone next week. And remember, the wand chooses the witch or wizard. Thank you for listening to Wizard World Lorecast. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can follow us on Twitter at www.lorecast, and you can email us at wizardworldlorecast at gmail.com.